Hello. Welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at ASD underscore Hokie Smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he introduces our guest for the podcast. Jeff, thank you so much for working the switchboard tonight and every night, but this is a unique night because I'm trying to get steps in because I feel like I've been driving in a boat the entire week in Washington, D.C. It has literally been raining every day this week in Washington, D.C. It's kind of unbelievable. So welcome back to the This Week in the ACC. This is the podcast of allsportsdiscussion.com. This is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the country. And tonight, we have a great return guest. You can follow Ethan Moore on Twitter at at underscore Ethan Moore. That's E-T-H-A-N-M-O-O-R-E. And Louisville Sports Live at L-V-I-L-L-E-S-P-R-T-S-L-I-V-E. Again, that's at L-V-I-L-L-E-S-P-O-R-T-S-L-I-V-E. And on the internet at LouisvilleSports.Live.net. Ethan and his colleague Taylor Lynch, who you can follow on Twitter at at Taylor Lynch, that's at T-A-Y-L-E-R-L-Y-N-C-H, have a radio show dedicated to the University of Louisville sports on 93.9 The Ville. And their Twitter account is at 39 The Ville. That's at 939-T-H-E-V-I-L-L-E. And it's powered by ESPN every Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Ethan, welcome back, friend. We are happy you are here. Anything you want to plug, friend, welcome back, friend. All right. It looks like Matthew, we're waiting for Ethan to join here. I can see him as a listener, and I have sent him the invite to speak. And we see you as a speaker now, Ethan. All right, Matthew, as we wait for uh, Ethan Ethan to join us, uh, a little bit review from last week's prod podcast. Uh, the Georgia Tech product, Chris Eubanks, uh, reached the quarterfinals of Wimbledon, uh, where he was finally eliminated by Daniel uh, Medvedev, the number three seed uh, in the tournament. But what a tremendous run for Chris Eubanks, who's now uh, ranked in the top 35 in the, in the world. And, uh, you know, keep an eye out for him when the U S open gets going in a, in a few weeks, but tremendous run uh, for Chris at Wimbledon, the last American male player in the field. Um, and, and for those of you that are, that are tennis fans, um, the uh, Spanish player, I think his first name is Carlos Alcarez defeated uh, Nova uh, defeated uh, defeated um, Novak Djokovic today for his first Wimbledon title. So a lot going on there. All right, we see Ethan now. How are you, sir? 
Greetings, guys. Sorry for the uh, the hiccup there. There was just one other button that I did not press. And, uh, you know, in, in the summer doldrums that, that happens, I, I, I guess I didn't follow the directions as quickly as I should have. But, guys, thanks again for having me back. Um, this is always just one step closer to ACC football season kicking off. I always enjoy our conversations, and I cannot wait for the 2023 edition of the Louisville Cardinals. I'll tell you guys that much right now. Anything that you want to plug? I mean, we went quite quite a ways through your radio sequence. What else? Yes, you, you did. <laughs> what else you got? For well, um, I, it's uh, we have now we're now on every Wednesday at seven o'clock, seven oh, to nine. Right. Thank you for the update. Um, and and I know you guys are the are the the nation's longest independent ACC running podcast. That's awesome, and we are the city's longest running all UFL sports talk show. So that's something that we're certainly proud of. We will be celebrating, um, I believe, twelve years uh, this September that we've been on the airwaves. So um, certainly very fortunate, and uh, it's always we're appreciative of ninety three nine the Ville our station for for having us for so long it's 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 great man we we talk everything louisville football basketball and recruiting uh when we've been doing it for a while and hope to be doing it uh for 12 more years after this and you know as frustrating as louisville basketball has been um certainly things are are, are looking up for the football program with jeff Brom, no doubt about that but to plug our show we're going to be on this wednesday um and you know we We'll have, you know, in the past we've had some coaches on, some recruits, some players. Um, and so, you know, if, if Louisville fans out there, ACC fans out there, uh, if, you know, you ever want to stream us, you can take us anywhere you want to go on the ESPN Louisville app. And, you know, we're, we're primed and ready to talk some Louisville football always, every day. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. And so, sorry about the Sorry about the time there. I didn't quite have that didn't quite ha add that extra half hour in there so thank you for the thank you for the update so no we we've been on a 6 30 before as well listen we're we're flexible we've been on a 6 6 37 but now we're we're locked in from seven to nine awesome awesome so you did trigger a question and i think you read my mind uh you were talking you alluded we we kind of do this with all of our guests when they come on just as a you know kind of to give us the review of the men's basketball season now, you know, clearly, obviously, the debut for for, uh, for yeah. your coach wasn't too great, but the future might be getting a little brighter here. So give us a review of the 2022-2023 Louisville men's basketball season, and perhaps there's op – Well, do I, do I have to do the review for, for last season because – that's uh that no i'm just just kidding no um, yeah i mean it was, necessarily you know, have to do the review if you don't like to you <laughs> no i'm just no i'm just kidding no it was it was an all systems failure it was the worst season since 1939-40 um you know any time that louisville was in the news for doing something like breaking a record or setting a trend um, it was always for the negative. This was the first time since then that Louisville has lost 20 games in a season. This is the first time since blank that Louisville um, has only won two conference games. You name it, um, unfortunately, this year uh, or, or last season was, was certainly one to forget. Nobody really had that high of expectations, but nobody 
envisioned four and twenty-eight. But to your point, uh, <clears throat> Matthew, that uh, things are looking up. Louisville did secure a top ten recruiting class. Um, five-star Trenton Flowers is certainly a name to watch in the ACC this upcoming basketball season. And Coach Payne landed two really good portal guards in Sky Clark uh, via Illinois and Trey White from USC. Uh, those three players I mentioned should be the top three players all year for Louisville basketball, and they bring um, a different type of tenacity, athleticism, and ability to score that, quite frankly, outside of L. Ellis, Louisville didn't have. So um, the expectation is for Louisville to make the NCAA tournament. And generally, that's the baseline minimum expectation year in, year out. Um, so, you know, th- this year, by and large, Louisville fans are expecting to make the field of 68. Um, and, you know, make no mistake about it, too. Payne has um, a lot of questions to answer. He's, he is certainly in, sh- in prove-it mode and show-me mode. Um, so we'll see. Louisville's got a challenging non-conference slate ahead of their 20-game ACC schedule. So they certainly have their work cut out for them. But the expectation is for Louisville to be much better next season in basketball. Very good, sir. Very good. Jeff, you're up, friend. It's time to discuss 2023 Louisville. All right. Thanks, Matthew. All right. Yeah, Ethan, as we get into some football here, what are some of the major strengths coming back for Louisville? Um, certainly, um, what Brom did a, a great job of, and it wasn't necessarily a strength until just recently, but um, it's going to be the offensive line. Um, Brom didn't like, um, after the spring game, the lack of depth at that position. And I kid you not, not even a week after the spring game, Brom landed four or five highly highly touted um, portal guys from the offensive line. So uh, kudos to Brom and staff for, for recognizing that area of weakness. And now it is not, it is not uh, an area of weakness. Brian Hudson is going to be the anchor there. Um, He was the center. He's going to be pushing certainly for all ACC type of honors. Uh, Michael Gonzalez, uh, is somebody that, that played sparingly some last year. He figures to get a lot of reps. Uh, Lance Robinson from Houston as well um, is one of those portal guys. They also um, got a commitment from an offensive lineman from Rutgers. So they that was an area of weakness, but now you could easily make the argument that that is uh, a position of strength. Uh, it also, as well, is the secondary for for Louisville's defense. That was that was an area um, that that had a lot of question marks going in. Um, certainly, Louisville played well at the last half of last season. Uh, defensive coordinator Brian Brown really got really got after it with those guys. Of course, Yaya Diaby and Yasir Abdullah are now off to the NFL, and Keytrail Clark as well. But Louisville landed among some players that um, I know ACC fans will will remember. Uh, Gilbert Frierson, um, he played, uh, say he was a safety at Miami. Now he is a Louisville Cardinal. Marquise Groves, Killebrew, he came over, a very highly touted kid coming out of high school. He comes over from Texas A&M. And it's always good when you can add somebody from the defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs, and Louisville did just that, and Marcus Washington. So those are three names 
kind of right off the bat um, that are going to improve the Louisville secondary uh, in terms of, of Braum and staff getting those guys in from the portal. So uh, the excitement is at an all-time high. And, you know, those are some names in positions uh, in positions of need that now you could certainly make the argument that they aren't um, weaknesses anymore. They could be strengths by, by the time it's all said and done. So the, the staff did a great job of assessing areas of need and going out and signing high-quality guys. And Storm Duck, um, he came over from UNC and, and after spending six weeks, it seems like, at Penn State. He's going to be a guy that, that's going to be starting in, in um, the secondary as well. So, you know, Storm Duck, he's not he's not an Oregon Duck. He's a Louisville Cardinal. So, you know, he's a four-star prospect with a five-star name. So, Coach Brahma Company got the job done in the portal. Top 15 class according to 247. So, again, those those are some names um, that you're going to be hearing throughout the season. And those are names that are, that are generating a lot of excitement for Louisville football. All right, Ethan. Um, now let's go on the flip side. What are some of the major weaknesses uh, f- coming back for Louisville football? You know, in other words, what do you think the Cards will be working on in August before that first game uh, with Georgia Tech? And what are the questions that you think have to be resolved uh, in order to have a successful season? <clears throat> well, it's a great question. So. Louisville ran a 4-3 under Brown. Now, um, under Ron English and Mark Hagan, they've switched their scheme to a 4-2-5. So, um, in those two, um, Louisville is the thinnest at linebacker. So, they're going to be anchored. You're bringing up names in the portal. I'm going to give you two freshman names, highly touted, top 200 nationally guys, um, true freshmen that are expected to make an impact. Stanquan Clark. And T.J. Capers, both from the South Florida area. Now, T.J. Capers just reclassed um, and is going to be a member of the 23 class, just made it to campus late last week. Now, he's going to be rehabbing um, an injury. So he's going. He's expected to play in this upcoming season, but we don't know exactly when. Stanquan Con- Stan Clark um, came in as an early enrollee in January, played really well in the spring game. Um, and we figured to hear his name in the two deep as well. But replacing um, replacing uh, Yasir Abdullah, Yaya Diaby, those type of guys on the defense, those were the guys that got a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Stanquan Clark, among others, are going to be asked to do the same in a new scheme. So to answer your question, <clears throat> Jeff, what, what we have there is you're going to have to take some time um, for – the players to get adjusted to the new scheme based uh, on the early returns from the spring. Um, they're doing well at transitioning over to, to the four, two, five, but we'll see once live action begins um, as Louisville kicks off at Georgia tech on September 1st. All right. Very good there. Um, who are some of the new recruits or players uh, from the transfer portal that have impressed you the most for Louisville? And are there any that you think will get some major playing time right away? Um, well, so some of those guys in the secondary, obviously Jack Plummer, the quarterback coming over from Cal, he is the starter um, uh, as far as everything we've heard. Um, he has a command of that offense because remember before going to Cal, he played a couple of years for Brom at Purdue. So he has 
um, good handle of Brom's offense, um, what Brom wants um, in, in the huddle. He's already talked about several times the leadership that Jack Plummer brings. So that is the name on the offensive side out of the portal. Um, he threw, threw for over 3,000 yards, had 20 touchdowns to seven interceptions at Cal. He will be the leader um, of the offense. Uh, Mar- and then Marquise uh, Killebrew, the defensive back from Texas A&M, in addition to Storm Duck coming over from, from UNC uh, as well. So those are some guys um, that out of the portal – that should be names that you're going to be hearing in the starting lineup. I mean, Plummer, um, provided there's no crazy injuries, um, he is going to be the starter for Louisville um, quarterback. And you know that Jeff Brom is known for offense. He's known for for quarterbacks putting up big numbers. And he's he's also known for putting quarterbacks in the league. So uh, I'm not saying – I'm not sitting here saying that Jack Plummer is going to be an NFL draft pick, but – expectations are higher for Plummer. Uh, he's hit the ground running. He's been here for several months as well. He has a good handle on the offense, not only now at Louisville, but again, when he played for Brom a couple of years ago at Purdue. So um, those are some names um, from the portal um, to, to really keep your eye on when, when you're, when you're watching Louisville this upcoming season. Okay, Ethan. Um, as we move along here in the podcast, um, let's look at Louisville's schedule here a little bit. What are the, the two uh, most important, most pivotal games? Do you think on Louisville's schedule? And give us a you know quick summertime um, analysis of those games, and then give us what you think Louisville's overall record will be this year. Man, this is my favorite segment when I talk to you guys. I love just talking about expectations. Wins or losses. I need to go back, man, to see if my expect is to see if my win totals are, are, are even accurate. I feel like last year's I nailed last year's at seven and five, but this year, um, guys, uh, I'm going to go with eight and four. Um, two games that I think are pivotal. Um, I'm going to say the first one, uh, Georgia Tech. Now, certainly, certainly, uh, Louisville is a favorite in this game. If you're looking at certain sports books right now, you get eight or eight and a half point favorites. I, I'm I think Louisville's going to win this game, but I'm also a little nervous. I don't. I think it's going to be a battle. I think it's going to be close. Of course, with Co- when Coach Key took over, Georgia Tech was four and four, finished the year um, rather strong. Two of those four wins came against teams ranked in the top twenty-five at the time. So that is my first pivotal game, and my next one is going to be at NC State. And I'm not saying Notre Dame, or I'm not saying the arch rival with the team up the road or even Miami. I'm saying NC State is pivotal because that next opponent at home is going to be Notre Dame. Historically, Louisville struggled in Raleigh. And while NC State's kind of rebuilding, especially from the offensive side of things, um, I think certainly um, if Louisville is 4-0 going into that game, and that's what the expectation is uh, here in Louisville, um, you know, could you be looking ahead to that monster matchup against uh, against Notre Dame uh, eight days before that? So that those are my pivotal games: Georgia Tech to start the season, and then and then at NC State. And for the second question, I'm going to go with eight and four. I think that's a solid solid first year for Brom. And let's be honest: I mean, if you're looking at the preseason prognostications, Louisville's going to play four of the teams projected to finish in the bottom four 
the last four of the ACC. So Louisville certainly gets a little help with the schedule. They avoid the top three teams in Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina. They do have some tricky games, again, at NC State, Duke at home, and then at Miami. I think those are games that certainly um, Louisville's going to have to be prepared for at Pitt as well. So, um, you know, I think overall on paper, yes, Louisville's schedule appears to be um, not as difficult in years past, but I still think um, I think Pitt's going to be solid. I think Duke's going to be solid. I think Miami's going to be much improved, and Georgia Tech's going to be improved. So, having said that, I'm I'm going with eight and four. All right, uh, Ethan. Let me ask you. Uh, related to that question, we always look at best and worst cases um, record for the ACC teams, and Louisville. Um, is always the first one I start out with. And so I, I've got Louisville's floor at seven and five, and I got their ceiling as 10 and two. Uh, are, are you in line with that? Do you think the, the floor could be lower? Not, you know, is that too low or is 10 and two about right for the ceiling? What do you think? Yeah, I man, I think you nailed it. Um, I think you nailed it seven and five. I think, um, and it depends on who you ask. I, I think any anything lower than seven wins would certainly be a disappointment. I think you would have a large faction of the fan base that, that would say seven wins could be a disappointment. I think certainly the ceiling is 10 and two. You know, since Louisville has been a member of the ACC, they have yet to win double digit games. Now they've they've won nine games a couple of times, but they have not won 10 games. So I certainly think, um, that could happen as well. I do still want to pump the brakes on, you know, Louisville winning those uh, that amount of games. I don't know if you guys saw this, but last week there was some um, – there was a guy – I forgot who he was with. Maybe it was the athletic that, based on his criteria, um, projected Louisville to be favored in all of their games throughout the season. So that's certainly got some buzz and then you're going to get that buzz when you're in the off season. But I also think that that sets, um, you know, potentially that sets the bar way too high, you know, considering Louisville a has never been undefeated and B they've never even won 10 games. So I think that maybe with that gentleman's, you know, whatever his formula is to figure out who's going to be, uh, favored. I certainly think Louisville, when it when it comes down to it, it's going to be an underdog uh, at, at home against Notre Dame, and I, and I I think Louisville would be an underdog at Miami as well. All right, um, Matthew, I'm gonna turn it over to you for the last couple questions in the podcast. So, Ethan, I was busting my tail this year in, in graduate school, and and I. Probably in the spring, I didn't keep track as much as much of recruiting as I, you know, as I normally do, you know, during when I'm not in school. But I graduated. But even though I was busting Congrats. my, thank you so much, man. Even though I was even though I was busting my tail in the spring to finish my thesis and finish this other course, I still saw exactly what you were talking about here earlier in the podcast. It felt like. It felt like I was watching a pinball machine rack up with all the recruiting numbers that Brian, that you know, that Brian Brom brought in, Coach Brom brought in, and I'm thinking here in my mind that, wow, this is a culture change. This is a guy who is basically 
night and day is 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 a culture change with the school. He's somebody who's probably you can probably correct me if I'm wrong here, but somebody friendly with the fan base, friendly with the culture of the institution, understands the culture of the institution, alum of the institution, is somebody who is really appreciative of Louisville and is happy to come back home. And I'm sensing that that's probably the same sort of feeling that you're getting from the fan base and the status of the program. So I, I want to I want to give you a chance. We talked about, you know, I, there was a reason I set this question up, right? I mean, we talked about something that perhaps wasn't the greatest topic earlier in the podcast, Hoops, but now you get to shine, my friend, because I think this this is all making you pretty happy. Yeah, when you were, when you were um, teeing up this question, I had a smile on my face. Yeah, you, you, you nailed it, man. You know, Jeff Brom... And his family, they are they are the Louisville. They're the 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 football family of the city. His dad played for Louisville, Oscar. Uh, his brother, of course, Brian was uh, on the Orange Bowl champion team. Was I believe was the Orange Bowl MVP. Uh, his brother Greg was a receiver at Louisville. He is the director of football ops. So yeah, everybody. I mean, he was the overwhelming favorite uh, among the fans and the betting favorite too to to land at Louisville of course a couple you know a few years ago um he he didn't feel like it was the right time to move but this but this this time the stars aligned he has done all that he could possibly do at Purdue winning uh the Big 10 West title last year losing to Michigan in the Big 10 championship he's done all he can do at Purdue and it is crazy to just to think about the four years prior to Jeff Brom getting to Purdue, they won nine games total. And then, you know, last year and the year before that, you know, he, he combined his last few years, he was 17 and nine. And he's beaten three top five teams. And so when you look at what Jeff Brom has done at Purdue, especially compared to, to before he got there, I mean, yeah. Louisville landed a sitting Power 5 coach. And I get it. If he wasn't from Louisville, didn't play here, they wouldn't have landed him. But the fact that, you know, he is home, his family is his family is Louisville football, I mean, through and through, it was a home run hire, and the stars have aligned. Everybody is, is super excited. And you're right. He gets it. He understands what Louisville football is all about. He understands how the fans are jaded because so many people, as soon as they have success, they want to leave. He gets it. And, you know, he, he started recruiting like gangbusters. He, he took the opposite approach of Kenny Payne and says, listen, we want to win now. And with TJ Capers reclassifying last week, Louisville has its first top 25 recruiting class. So they finished fifth in the ACC, 24th nationally. Um, they got six or seven four-star prospects, um, you know, and, and, and kudos to him for keeping a lot of those guys that, that you know, props due to Satterfield for landing as well. Pierce Clarkson, he kept the, the California pipeline but by and large intact. They did lose Ruben Owens to Texas A&M, um, but still they've landed two four-star running backs in the 24 class already. So, They've, he's done a fantastic job. He's won the off season. He he won he won the spring game. He's done everything right. 
He's communicating with the fan base, and he's recruiting at a high level, and it's only adding more excitement fuel to the fire, man. We are ready for football. We're ready for September 1st. My apologies. I accidentally called him Brian. There are so many Brahms there. I got <laughs> my <laughs> there is. I mean, you got Oscar, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Greg, Brian. It's all good, man. It's all. It's all. You got Brom right, and that's all that matters. That's the last thing. The football family, baby. That's it. That's it. So, open microphone time. I'm actually going to use my open microphone to ask you a question, Ethan, because we usually go with a guest, but that we got. I got a stimulating question from a Pittsburgh fan, Pittsburgh fan tonight. And I have a feeling we're all going to be talking about the ACC network and revenue in some, in some part. So this fan asked us tonight, Ethan, Ethan, whether they thought that we should try, whether ESPN should try to hook up a deal with Apple for streaming, because that seems to be the way that everybody really, really is going. I'm not sure if you saw that CNBC article out there right now where basically ESPN thinks that, you know, the, that the linear cable industry is dying and they need to get to, you know, long term and they need to get to streaming efforts. And I'm wondering what you th- would think about an ACC network deal with Apple. I, I, I was very intrigued by it. The floor is. That's a great question. As much as I follow, you know, the ACC and revenue and all that stuff, I had not heard a whole lot about that. I mean, for me, and I guess I'm more of a traditionalist, I'm older. And so like, I like streaming, but I I tell you what, guys, I like turning on the TV and knowing the game's going to be on. You're not buffering. You're not, something's not slow. I mean, it's, I don't know about you guys, but when I have both cable and streaming devices at the house and my game, if I'm streaming it, I'm a good 30 to 45 seconds behind. And so and then, in addition to have you know buffering, and then you have to sign in again. Um, if 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 having a you know a, an Apple deal can can really bring in a, a good slice of extra revenue, I mean, I guess if it's good for the conference, that's fine. Um, but I, I still would prefer the ACC in terms of generating more revenue. Go on the offensive, man. If the Big Ten doesn't want any more of the Pac-10 teams, then the ACC should 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 deal the death blow to that conference and get Oregon, get Washington, you know, get Utah, and you know, and let the Pac-10, you know, wither away. Um, you know, I think it's a joke that they keep pushing back the timeline for them to get their media rights deal. It's like, what? How how many more deadlines are you all going to pass? So. Um, you know, to to that Pittsburgh fans question, I mean, it's a it's a good question. If Commissioner Phillips, you know, get, can can sell off some, some you know some rights, I don't know. Would ESPN want to do that, or would ESPN say, "Well, we're not going to do Apple. We want to do ESPN Plus, or we want to do ACC Network Extra." I mean, maybe that maybe you do that, but then I, I don't know why if ESPN owns the rights why they would go the ESPN plus route or the ACC network extra route. You wouldn't get any more revenue there. Cause of course, obviously that's an ESPN property. Maybe you sell some off to Apple. I mean, but I, I don't know, but would, would the ACC want to do that? Would Apple be willing to pay? Um, you know, what, what I would imagine be a pretty penny, um, f- for some, for some ACC, um, sporting events and how many basketball games are you talking? So, yeah, I mean, 
what's the what's the Apple fee to to stream? So I, I'm with you. I, I certainly think. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the the numbers, the the cord cutting is still continuing at a high clip. I know ESPN's lost a lot of money with that. Um, and I know that they've they've been talking about the future. They maybe that ESPN would just go all streaming, and you'd have to pay a separate fee for that as well. But I just like the traditional television guys. Maybe I'm just too old fashioned or too old you're school. Not. But I, you're not. We're older good. than you, probably. Well, good. By the way. Okay. <laughs> well, good. I just don't want to buffer. I, I hate the buffering. I mean, how many times? I, I don't know about. I mean, I don't know about Cheryl's, you know, internet provider. But you know, when I'm watching a ball game, you know, throughout the season, more than half the time, um, for whatever reason, my connectivity isn't as good as it was the week before, and then I have to turn the TV off. I have to reboot it. You don't have to do that with cable. And so, while streaming is important, and streaming is a an additional revenue stream. I still think with cable, I mean, maybe you, maybe you, I don't know, maybe you de- decrease the cost in cable if you have an, an Apple package as well. I don't know. You can balance it out that way. I don't know. All I know is that Com- Commissioner Phillips has done a lot of talking with no action. And so while um, I'm envious, guys, of Brett Yormick at the, at the Big 12. I mean, he, he, you know, he bluntly states what he wants to do. He talks about expansion. He obviously, he doesn't give you the details like he can, but like you have more of a vision, I feel like, than, than with Phillips and the ACC. He talks about the need to add more revenue, but we haven't seen anything that would do that. Remember the CW deal, guys. So you're going to, you know, watch the Hokies and the Yellow Jackets right after reruns at Dawson's Creek. But you don't bring any more extra revenue in um, because Raycom and the ACC that's already been that's already been sold. So you know, I asked David Teal on Twitter about that a couple of days ago. Is there any additional revenue with this? And it was no because those rights have already been paid for. So you know, the ACC right now is still a distant third in revenue. Um, but again, the Big Twelve, the SEC. And the Big Ten are going to be able to renegotiate a new deal again before 2036. That's only going to hamper the ACC. So something's got to give. They got to be proactive. I'm still beating the drum. The ACC needs to expand, become the first power league to 20. Well said, friend. Well said. Now, you answered my question. What do you got for your open mic, Ethan? <laughs> um. Or anything. I don't want to get off on a tangent because I kind of already – it's easy to do because this is like a football podcast. But Louisville basketball, I'm, I'm still telling you, I want to turn the page. I'm trying to turn the page from 4-28, and 28, but it's still really, really tough to do. And, again, the vast majority of the fans are expecting an NCAA tournament. Um, and it needs to be an NCAA tournament or bus type of proposition. I know that the, the coach Payne is an alumni. Um, he's a good, he's a great guy. Um, he's well respected in the basketball community. He's beloved with by his former players. He's a fantastic assistant coach and a fantastic mentor. But right now, I've yet to see. I've yet to see any evidence that he is an elite-level head coach. 
And when you're at Louisville, making the tournament's not good enough. You know, progressing, playing in the second weekend, competing for Final Fours, competing for national championships. That is the expectation. And so you even have diehard fans like myself saying, listen, just get to the tournament in year two. But I, I'm not willing, you know, if you're 17 and 15 and go to the NIT, I mean, that's not good enough, especially coming off a four and 28 year. If you were 14 and 18, then okay. Then we would have some evidence that, okay, you're building, we get it. But man, it was so bad last year. I mean, I'm sure you all saw it, but Georgia tech, um, Georgia tech won in Atlanta, Virginia tech handled as easily. So, I mean, that, that nasty taste is still in my mouth. Hopefully I'm proven wrong and the they KP can have a great year, 20-plus wins, get to the tournament. But I'll believe it when I see it. And I, and I hope, again, it bears repeating, I hope I'm proven wrong. But, but, gentlemen, I have yet to see any evidence that I will be. So one quick follow-up, Ethan. Is it kind, did it kind of remind you a little bit of Patrick Ewing, because I'm a Georgetown, Georgetown alum too, and that really, quite frankly, never worked out. And did it give you some kind of feeling like that? Oh yeah, I mean, well, I think, I think it, it did um, for at least the short term. But I think if, for example, if Louisville has another losing season and you bring him back, then I think that parallel is even more paramount in fans' minds. I think now with it just being the first year, I mean, you had a lot of national guys say, you know, listen, I mean, generally you got to give a coach time, but this year was so bad, you couldn't fault Louisville if they got rid of him. And there was a lot of people calling for that. So, but yeah, I mean, if if they have another losing season and, and he's retained, then I certainly think the Georgetown Patrick Ewing thing um, it would be an easy parallel to draw um, because it was so bad. But I do think, though, uh, you know, despite all of that, I mean, the fact that this that, that this program pulled in a top 10 class, I mean, you look at the variety of, I think, rivals in 247 sports, both have them locked in at number seven nationally. I mean, and kudos to the staff. They got the job done um, the, despite – having that horrible season. So kudos to them. They've won the offseason to a degree. But one thing that I mentioned that Coach Abram has done, that Coach Payne, he doesn't speak to the media. I mean, he just doesn't speak. Since his last press conference with the embarrassing loss to Boston College, he was asked two questions. Number one, are you going to talk to your AD about your job security? And he And he legitimately responded, I don't understand the question. Why would I speak to my AD? He loves me. I love him. Like that was his response. And then another question was asked about his staff. Are you going to make any staff changes? His response. I don't understand the question. Why would I make staff changes? I have the best staff in the country. They did a fantastic job on the heels of losing to Boston college by 20 points and having a 28 loss season. Those were his responses, and he has yet to speak to the local media since. Like, I, 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 I don't understand it. That's When you're the Louisville basketball coach, like, you have to be more upfront and open with the media. Cape Coach Payne spoke to John Rothstein on his podcast last week, and he was asked, what would you do differently? 
And he said, I wouldn't do anything differently. And you, it, I'm having trouble coming up with the words to like to try to even rationalize that because you can't. And he didn't take any blame. He didn't take any responsibility for how terrible this season was. And so at this point, he just has to win. If he gets to the tournament, he's going to show me and, and the majority of the fan base that, okay, all right, maybe he can do this. Um, that is a, that is a legitimate step towards progress. Um, you know, going 500 or having a losing season, my, and from my opinion, that ain't it. So, and I could go, gentlemen, I'm going to shut my mouth now because I could go on and on and on about how frustrating this has been. But I will conclude my open mic segment with that. He's got to win, period. Well, well said, Ethan. Well said. Jeff, friend, you are up. Yeah, thanks, Matthew. Uh, first of all, whenever I see Ethan post something on Twitter about like realignment or, or media uh -huh. rights, it's it's instantly like, yes, <laughs> I totally agree with that. It was no different tonight, Ethan. Um, everything you said, I mean, I I totally agree with. Um, from from when you started talking about where's the plan from Phillips to do something, um. I think that is an absolute must for him. I mean, in fact, just today I wrote an article about, hey, you've been here two years. You've alluded to different revenue um, enhancements. You've hired consultants. And honestly, we've, we've heard nothing. I mean, even exactly. And, and, and you and you said, you know, the Big 12 <clears throat> Commissioner Brent um, Yormack, I mean, he, he just says whatever. And, yeah. and, and, and I think. And in my in, in my estimation, about half of it is is kind of like, oh my gosh, that's like bluster, a terrible yeah. idea. Yeah, it's kind of bluster. But at the same time, you know, these days, you, silence gives you gives an indication outwardly of inactivity. So, I mean, if something is in the works at all, you know, if there's a look in three years from now, you come out and you say that. If if you're looking at expansion, you you don't just kind of hint at it. We've looked a little bit. No, you're saying we're going to be aggressive. We're going to do this, um, you know. And football media days is in a couple of weeks um, for the ACC, and I really hope that that Phillips has something to say about this, and that we don't end in the kind of the fiasco that the spring meetings became, um, where he kind of was came into the sidelines and let, you know, the other, the teams in the conference dictate exactly how those meetings were going to go. And, and they were kind of ugly in the spring. And, you know, he spends the next three days doing damage control. And he's got to take control of that, of that narrative uh, because, you know, the rumors of teams moving around, it's, it's not happening in the next four, five, six years. There's time for the ACC to do something, but it would help a lot if he would actually say something about it anything anything at all <laughs> you're 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 spot on Jeff. i mean that's the thing it's like you you had you had clemson you had north carolina especially florida state being vocal about wanting to leave the conference and then he comes out and says well everybody's on the same page and then literally the next day the clemson ad is like you know what we're gonna do what's right for us and it's like you don't have a handle on anything and yeah you've hired all these consultants 
I mean, how much more consulting work do you need? You, you got to find ways to, uh, you know, to add revenue. And, you know, uh, David Hale of ESPN reported that you, the ACC can add teams and you don't have to rip up the grant of rights. A lot of people, right. especially on social media, will be like, well, you can't add teams because then Florida State and Clemson will leave. No, that's not the agreement now. Oregon and Washington, the, you know, the two national brands would have to agree to be in the ACC for the next 12 years. But if they did, you're going to make a whole lot money than you would in the Pac-10. Maybe you roll the dice. If the Big Ten doesn't want to eat anymore, I mean, obviously, the ACC is in a role where the SEC and the Big Ten eat first. But if they're full, then you plunder the Pac-10, and then you have less mouths to feed. If you only have four Power Four conferences, there's more. There's multi-million dollars laying around that you can use to fill the ACC coffers. I just, he's been way too inactive, way too kind of wishy-washy. And you're right, Brett. Yormick, while he can he can he's full of bluster or some, but he gives you nuggets to chew on. He gives you, you know what? We leapfrog in front of the Pac-10. We got our media rights deal done. We're going to we're, you know, we're pushing for a bowl game in Mexico. We're gonna have our basketball, we're gonna play basketball games in Mexico City. We're gonna do a, they're doing like a basketball clinic in Rucker Park in New York City. I mean, that's cool, innovative type things. Where are we in the ACC with Phillips? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on on that, Ethan. And as far as the the CW deal, I'm glad you know. I'm glad you helped clarify that with the comments from David Teal that it doesn't add um, money to the ACC's deal, but. Um, from an exposure point of view, it is it is a positive in my opinion. Um, yeah, moving away from the the regional sports networks that were, you know, where I where I live, it wasn't difficult for me because the the games were right uh, there. I had the regional sports network, so I wasn't missing ACC games. But in a lot of other places, there was a, a mishmash of where these games would end up. They were hard to find. They were sometimes blacked out, and you know, I think these games being on the the CW i mean they're <clears throat> that is a large national network available now streaming and on a linear network and you know and if jim phillips if this had been his idea and it generated more revenue i would have been like wow ready to go jim phillips even though it was it was more of a raycom espn thing but i think in the end it, it's a pretty good um move exposure wise for the acc um, that that deal is set to end with where Re Raycom has sublicensed uh, those those rights from ESPN. That that is set to end in 2027, and you know that'd be something I'd like to see Jim Phillips comment on. You know what happens to those rights um, in 2027? That that's a part of the deal. You know, does it enhance the ESPN deal a little bit? Can they go? Can they go up for sale? I mean, they are third tier, lower level games, so you know no one expects it to be worth a ton of money. But when you're the ACC right now, um, you know any incremental increase matters. That'd be something I'd like to hear about. But um, from from an exposure point of view, it's it's really a, a pretty good deal for the ACC. Yeah, I'm with you there. As much as we joke about, and as much as I joke about Gossip Girl and. Dawson's Creek reruns. I mean, you're right. Everybody has a CW. 
and you know a lot of people have it where it's if you stream it it's blacked out um i know here a lot of people were frustrated if you had like dish um uh, and the games were on valley sports or whatever um then they couldn't even watch them so that won't be the case with the cw um, and then, of course, I know a lot of Louisville fans will be watching uh, the Satterfield-led Cincinnati Bearcats probably lose to Pitt um, as that first CW game. So we'll see what happens with that one on September 9th. <laughs> well said. Well said. Ethan, thanks so much for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast tonight. We really appreciated you coming on the show, previewing 2023 Louisville football with us. And I know you got some things off your chest regarding 2022, 2023 <laughs> Louisville men's basketball. And I hope we, we hope that goes better, but we know football is going to be good this year for Louisville. And thanks again for joining us and spending your Sunday night with us, friend. Thanks guys. Y'all have a good week. Always appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks.